Welcome to this edition of the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Jordan Bush. You may know Jordan as one of the co-authors of Thank God for Bitcoin. Jordan is also the pastor of a church in South America. We discuss his journey to find Bitcoin, his ministry, the book, and the role Christians should play in the Bitcoin future. This was a fantastic discussion. I know that you will enjoy his insights on Bitcoin in the future. And now a word about our sponsors. Jeter Melder LLP is more than a law firm. It is a legal team. Justin and Michael have over 30 years of experience working with different clients on different legal issues from both sides of the docket, including business disputes, constitutional rights, employment agreements, employment discrimination, local counsel, and pay issues. Jeter Melder have advocated in federal and state courts in Arkansas, California, Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas. With a unique blend of clients from doctors, fellow attorneys, tradesmen, hourly workers, the unemployed, to small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, they all have one thing in common. They believe in Jeter Melder, and Jeter Melder believes in them. Give them a call at 214-699-4758 or visit them at JeterMelder.com. That's J-E-T-E-R-M-E-L-D-E-R.com. Have Jeter Melder work for you. Hey, Jordan, thanks so much for joining me. Um, just for the audience's sake, uh, we've connected on Twitter. Uh, I've read your book. I know you have a lot of co-authors in that book. Uh, thank God for Bitcoin. But for the audience's sake, just uh, just kind of introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you're doing right now, and we'll just kind of dive in from there. Yep. My name is... Uh, thank you so much for having me, Patrick, first of all. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, my name is Jordan Bush. I'm on Twitter. My name is J.M. Bush. Um, that was mainly the case because I never imagined that I was going to write a book. <laughs> when, I, when I put that name, I, the name Jordan Bush, uh, Twitter handle was already taken. And so I just used the other one. Name but, <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, so I, I co- co-wrote and one of the co-authors of the book, Thank God for Bitcoin. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm uh, right now I work as a pastor, uh, I work as a missionary living in uh, the capital city of Uruguay, uh, Montevideo. And I help to plant a church here um, and continue discipling, you know, people within the church. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at at this point. Um, I pastored the church by myself for a couple of years and we've since merged with another church. And so now I'm serving and discipling and helping out with the church. That's awesome. Uh, Jordan, how did you, I mean, I've, I've read the book. It, it's quite a motley crew of folks that wrote the book. I mean, how yep. did you guys get together? <laughs> yeah. So it's a crazy story. Um, so we, yeah, I, I started, I, first of all, I fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, I, I first bought Bitcoin frantically for the first time in December of 2017. And I saw the price going crazy. And I was in Uruguay uh, trying to figure out what to do and invest in. And just heard about Bitcoin. And I saw the price go from 3000 to 9000 And it was right about then. I was like, what is happening? So I frantically put out a VPN from here in Uruguay and tried to set up a Coinbase account and buy some. Was only able to get a little bit um, before the price went up to like 20000 I was like, what is happening right now? And uh, and so it was shortly after that, I was able to you know buy just a little bit when... Um, 
And the price started to drop back down. And right about the same time, we had a, a crisis of our, our ministry team or our church planting team here in Uruguay. And that result, the result of that was that I became the, the only pastor of the church. And so when that happened, literally everything else got pushed to the <laughs> pushed to the side. I was, you know, pastoring and, and ministering in Spanish um, and just trying to trying to do my best there and, and serve the people and honor under the Lord well uh, through all that. And so I just Bitcoin got totally pushed out. Um, I refounded again in 2019 as the price was escalating again. I, I just thought I, I was sitting here at this point where we have we had to invest in things through our, our missions organization. Um, I wasn't very satisfied um, with the the available the options that were available to me. I, I knew very little about investing. The only one thing I knew was that you buy low and sell high. And I saw everything is that the more that I researched, the more I found everything was at all time highs. <laughs> and so I was like, well, this is probably not a good time to be buying um, stock market and all this kind of stuff. So I just started looking into Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, so over time, over the course of that year, I just kind of totally fell down the rabbit hole and started finding a lot of points of Bitcoin where that were just making me, they were, they were echoes of you know, principles that I found in scripture and just the things that I've been thinking about for a long time. And so I found someone on Twitter who was talking about, you know, a Bitcoin and Bible, um, you know, Bible study. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I said, there's, there's other people out here, you know, who are thinking, you know, these same things along the same lines. And so um, he put me in contact with this other group, this group of people who I, en- I entered in there and saw Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Song is one of the co-authors of the book, Robert Breedlove and a few other people. And again, I didn't know Jimmy that much. I hadn't seen his name. Um, and you know, Robert, I knew a little, I had read a few of his work, a little bit of his work. And so just over time, we started, we read through a couple books together. We read uh, Honest Money by Gary North. And it was, it was just a book club. We just were reading a chapter and then talking about it. And just, you know, what, what does this have to do with Bitcoin? And then we also read... Um, uh, ethics of oh man, what is it? That's horrible. The ethics, Mike Guido Holmesman, um, the ethics of the money creation. Um, and so we read that book as well together. And so after we finished going through those books, we just said, man, this is, this is really enjoyable. Um, and I just thought it was over there. I thought maybe we'd read a different book and, you know, but just really had no other expectations. And one of the, I got an email from one of the other guys, uh, who contributed to the, you know, good process of the Bible study. And he said, Hey, we're going to, as, as we read through these two books, we think there's a lot of good principles here, biblical, you know, things that just haven't been talked about through the lens, haven't been looked at through the lens of Bitcoin. Um, and so we want to write a book about, you know, these things. And, and because you participated in the, in the Bible study, like we'd, we'd love for you to contribute, you know, to the book as well, if, you, if you'd like to. And so I just thought about it and was like, are you, what in the world? <laughs> this is what, I mean, I, I had thought about possibly, I mean, like I, I loved English. Like I, I've, I've thought about writing at some point in the future, never planned on it being anytime, you know, anytime soon. Uh, but long story short, we started writing the book during the pandemic. Um, so writing around April uh, of 2020. And so over the course of the next seven, eight months, we just worked on the book together. We met once one day a week and just kind of, you know, started plowing through ideas and organizing stuff. And it was just, a, it was an incredible process. It was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, the Lord, the Lord has used it in a lot of ways that were, that have gone way beyond any expectations that I could have had. Um, and so again, that just goes back to just the the principle of uh, the more that I just think about Bitcoin, like this, it's just a, it's way bigger than just making money. 
Mm. Um, there's just there's a lot of reorganize, reorganizing of of society just more broadly, and this is just one aspect of that that I think the Lord is, you know is using for for good into you know um, just to make clear things that have been ignored and pushed to the side. Um, so, Jordan, do you what I mean? What was the other than writing a book and, and kind of talking about Bitcoin through a Christian perspective? I mean, was there another goal or was that the goal? I mean, for me, yeah, there, there's several goals. I, I would say one thing is just there, there is, there was darkness. Like there's, there's parts of the existing, the monetary system is very obscure and it's, it's seen as being very complicated. Um, it's seen as being too complicated for any normal person to learn about it and to understand it. And so that, um, that information gap has been exploited for you know decades and that's resulted in a lot of harm done to normal people and so and and then consequently i mean as, as a christian my two guiding principles the two things that are you know god tells me are, are the most important things are to love god with all my heart soul mind and strength and to love my neighbor as myself and so when i when i look at th- i look at the the just the suffering and that's being caused on a, on a global scale um, through central banking and, you know, fiat money printing and all these kind of things. I, I see that I see I have like a moral obligation to do something. Um, and, and so that was a large part of it as well as I, I just, I wanted to speak truthfully about this, you know, injustice that's being done um, because I love God and because I love, you know, people. Do you do, and just speaking for myself as a believer, I mean, I never was aware of the injustice of the fiat monetary system until Bitcoin came along. Yep. Um, And with that, does that uh, justify Bitcoin's uh, existence for Christians and the Christian belief system? Is that, is that sufficient enough for a Christian to uh, want to understand more about Bitcoin for that, for that purpose alone? I, I think, I mean, so Christians believe that everything exists for God's glory. Like everything exists to glorify God. Like the apostle Paul says, whether you eat or drink things is, is, you know, things as basic and seemingly unspiritual as eating and drinking exists to point us to the Lord. Um, and so how much more something that is designed something, how much more something like money, which it's very existence. Money is a, is a, it's a convenient thing that's designed to enable just, um, just interaction, societal interaction between people, between neighbors, more specifically. Okay. And so, so when you say, when you yeah. say just, you're meaning right and wrong, just. Yeah. So basically, not, not be, just, but justice. Yes. Yeah. Yes, justice. So like a a, a just monetary system. And so the, the the thing, the the aspect of Bitcoin that the more they think about, it, the more it kind of blows my mind, um, is Bitcoin is a monetary system where there's a very very clear. Um, delineation, delineation, and a very clear relationship between sowing and reaping. Um, there is, there's only so much Bitcoin that exists, and in order to get that Bitcoin, Jordan, I'm sorry to interrupt. So that's no, a, that's a great thought. So, uh, why would that be different with Bitcoin versus a fiat monetary system? Yeah. So basically, in a fiat and the fiat monetary system has existed for the last 50 years. Um, the United States has the ability to create limits. Basically, is 
the United States has the ability to create limitless, limitless amounts of, of U.S. dollars. And because of that decision they took to, to remove the, the world reserve currency from any kind of objective, you know, hard, fixed, you know, amount backing it, um, that the, the United States, that action plunged the rest of the world and every other country into that same situation. So and so what reaped, you have that reaped uh, yes. what we have now. Yes. So that that reaped what we have now, but what that what that gave us over to, like the consequence of that is that we now have a money that has no relationship with fixed things, like with with it's completely untethered from reality. You, so, in yeah. this untethering, do you think, how do you think it has affected um, our belief system? Not, not just as Christians, but how do you think that has, has affected um, the way we think about the world around us um, with this fiat standard kind of permeating, you know, our existence? Yep. So basically, yeah. Yep. So basically what you have, the world, the world that exists where you have, when you have hard money is there is a, there is a reality, like a backstop that exists and it forces you to adjust yourself to that reality. It forces you to make choices. Like you can't have the world that you want. You have to adjust yourself to the world that exists. And within a fiat world, in a world where the only limiting factor for the, the creation of money is governments printing pieces of paper, like it's the only limiting factor is the amount of paper and ink that you have. So as long as you have those two things, you can create more, more value, more money. Like what, what you're... What you're doing is basically it, it's a fantasy land. It's it's not it, it's breaking the laws that exist in every other part of life. So how how do you think this has affected the Christian experience and the Christian witness? You know, in the last, I think it goes back a hundred years, but you know, yeah. probably more purely. You're right, fifty years. But how do you think this has affected the the Christian witness and experience for the past fifty years? I think so hard money creates hard people like hard money. Hard, like when you, when you have to have clear delineations between we're not like this thing is good. This thing is bad. This thing is right. This thing is wrong. This thing is true. This thing is false. Like where there is, where, where there's easy money, where reality is not hard and fast, where it's more, there's more give then then truth starts to become more flexible or to be understood as being more flexible. There's le- there's less of an observable quick relationship between like between um between sowing and reaping you know like we have a system today for example one example you have a a uh, a system um a what is that called a a system where basically if you have if you don't have if you don't have if you lose your job okay the government can step in and start giving you money okay the reason why they can do that is because they have the ability to create new money if that, if that wasn't the case, then people would be far more reliant on, on their neighbors. They'd be far more reliant on. And again, in the, the, the period of time in which you would be receiving those benefits would be much shorter as well. There's people who receive benefits from the government, like the, those kind of benefits from the government for years, not because they necessarily can't go out and, and make money in another way. It's because it's very convenient. They have a, they have this safety net that's being provided for them. That's given them a relative le- amount of comfort. So they're not incentivized to, to, or they're less incentivized to, to go back to the world, you know, the real world where do you, do you think that, um, Christians and, or, um, 
you know, loving neighbors would step in and fill the gap if there wasn't a fiat, you know, money machine printing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, th- honestly, that's that's how before before, you know, Medicare, before healthcare has been socialized, which that happened relatively recently in the United States. But before that happened, you had donations like the the you have churches you have hospitals that are built i mean the 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 shiners like there's all kinds of there are incentives within there are there are free market incentives that that um that yeah that incentivize people to give money they get tax benefits they give money to to charities and things that provide services to people who genuinely need them those kind of things have existed you know they existed they've existed for hundred you know for hundreds of years in the united states so like this is those things were already present, but they weren't as sure as the government stepping in and providing a, you know, objective backstop saying a hundred percent, we're going to do this. You can trust us. You know, it wasn't that, uh, it wasn't that seemingly steady and promised. And so the temptation is to, the temptation is always to try to look for things that are, are going to be more sure. And as Christians, we look at this and, and you know, the, the scriptures, you know, tell us, obviously we work hard. Obviously, you know, we, we do that. We deny ourselves, we go to work, we, we, you know, give to those who are in need, you know, we love our neighbors, but we also, we don't, we don't try to, we trust the Lord. We trust God day by day. You know, we don't try to, we don't try to, to store up wealth for hundreds of years. You know, we don't try to store up and, and protect ourselves against any, we don't, we don't break God's law by stealing or by lying. We don't do those things in order to try to get safety for ourselves. And in effect, that's what fiat money printing does. Fiat money printing steals from the future, steals from people in the future, our kids and grandkids in the future, in order to provide protection and security for ourselves today. And, um, and, I mean, so, and even more fundamentally, as you're thinking or as you're talking, uh, we have replaced God with government and trust yes. government for our needs rather than God for our needs. Exactly. The, and that and the government is perfectly content with that arrangement. Uh, they, they're perfectly content with people being completely reliant on them because that allows them to get away with, you know, lots of things that they shouldn't be able to get away with. It's interesting, I, you know, uh, a common theme within Christian circles is, you know, God's more concerned about our character than our than our needs or our comforts. And it's probably yep. the exact opposite for the government. The government's more concerned for our comforts and needs than our character. Yes, that, that's a humongous thing. The, one of the things that God in the Old Testament warned Israel about, they, they were like, we want a king. Yeah. <laughs> they saw all the other nations around them and they said, we want a king. And God basically says to them, right now you have a sweet gig. Because I'm your God, I, I I don't need anything. Yeah, I don't need I don't need tax money. You know, I don't I don't need these other things. If you have a king, he's going to require your sons and your daughters. He's going to require your money. You're going to have to give him all these things. And so he's trying to like God's trying to reason with them and say this is not going to be good. You know, and so that's that's the that's the trade off is when you when you have a a government. And when you, especially when you have a government that's, you know, swelled to the size that ours is, is right now, it's a very needy government. It's a very poor God. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very weak God. And so when you, when you put your trust, you know, the David talks about like, don't put your trust in princes, you know, like the, who can't, who don't have salvation, who can't save you. Like when you're relying on people who are weak and needy and who they, they need you in order to exist. Like you're going to be, you're going to be in, in a real bad situation when danger really does come. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great uh, reminder of, uh, 
God's uh, warning his people over and over and over again. Uh, are you sure you want a king? Are you sure you want a king? I can I can provide what you need, but they chose a king, and that's uh, that's essentially what we've done. Um, Jordan, tell us a little bit about uh, you. You were telling me a little bit about your missionary uh, background and you know Jim Elliot, which is a fantastic story. Just uh, remind us of um, that missionary legacy and who Jim Elliot was. It's a fantastic and moving story, and um, I applaud you for walking in his steps. Yeah, so one of the things that I shared um, was just that the, our, the mission organization that we're with is called Avant Ministries. Um, and primarily what they do, they've existed for about 120 years. And what they do is primarily plant churches around the world. And they've planted churches, like thousands of churches around the world in the last 120 years. Um, and one of the most famous things that they're known for, they're, Avant itself is not super well known. Um, it used to be called Gospel Missionary Union. And the one of the most famous people who was with them, um, two of the missionary, one, one of the missionaries who died with Jim Elliott, uh, who a lot of people, a lot of Christians know, um, died in the jungles of, of Ecuador. Uh, so one of them, that, if, if there are if there are yeah. non-believers that are listening, sure, 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 I sure. tell that story. It's a great story. It's uh, yeah. So basically, in the, I can't even actually remember when it was. I think it was in the 30s or 40s. Um, 50s, there was yeah, a yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, there was a group of missionaries who had heard about this people um, in the jungles of Ecuador who had, you know, had never heard the gospel before. And so there were a group of about five or six of them who, along with their families, went down to Ecuador, moved into this tribe. Um, and long story short, they had contact over the course of a few weeks with, you know, these native people who had never seen, you know, white people <laughs> before. They'd never seen outsiders. They flew in in a plane. And so there was all these things that these people didn't understand. And so long story short, after a few, um, few days or weeks, um, they came, they went back to go meet with the people again and, and to try to interact with them and get to know who they were a little bit more. Um, they couldn't communicate with them language wise, but they were able to you know use pictures and do kind of things. And so these people saw them coming and charged them and long story short killed, you know, four of the, of the, of the men. Um, and so long story short over time. Um, one of the children of one of the men who was killed and the wife of another one of the men who was killed came back and they ended up, um, they ended up, con- you know, continuing and finishing the missionary work there and shared the gospel with you know all these people. And today there are dozens of churches, um, that, you know, to this day are the fruit of, you know, those people's lives and, and sacrifices. Um, so our, our mission organization was, was involved in, you know, sent one of the men, two of the men who were, who were there when that happened. And so, uh, like I said, my family and I, we've been in Uruguay for the last seven years and been, been planting a church here. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, it's been, it's been a really, it's been a lot, <laughs> nothing has gone according to plan in a lot of ways. It's been way different than we thought it would be. And at the same time, like we, we've seen, you know, the Lord has been faithful um, in a lot of ways along the way. One of the biggest ways um, that we, that contributes to Bitcoin that, that has, you know, made Bitcoin be something that, um, yeah, that I, 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 the one reason I appreciate it more than I think I would have otherwise is because about half of our church here, um, it's a small church. We've got about at this point around 50, 60 people, um, probably right around half, maybe a little bit less than half of them are Venezuelan immigrants. Mm. Um, and so they came here, they, they, you know, have come here within the last five or six years because of everything that's going on in Venezuela, the government, you know, hyperinflating their currency, um, doing a lot of, of, you know, policies that have done, uh, a tremendous amount of harm to the people. Um, and so I, I've seen people who I love and have ministered to and, and helped. We've seen them have lose everything monetarily speaking 
Um, and, you know, as a result, as a direct result of these policies uh, that, you know, Bitcoin purports to, to, to reconcile. And so, um, so one, one of the things, so that's, that's one reason why I look at this and I, I see the power that, that Bitcoin has. I see Bitcoin as a, as a tremendous gift that can help people who are in that situation into, to kind of get out of that situation at the same time. And this is the, this is the, 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 the other amazing thing is we have seen people whose lives have been destroyed by fiat money and by, you know, horrible government and all these, we see people whose lives have been destroyed who came to Uruguay with nothing. You know, middle-class people, I know doctors, I know, I mean, economists who literally lost everything, moved to Uruguay and heard heard the message of Jesus and whose lives were radically changed and whose lives who they've found hope and they found, you know, they have found, you know, um, yeah, just just help and hope in a way that they didn't have before, even when they they had, were living these comfortable lives. And so that's that's constantly been this 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 check when I when I'm tempted to get you know too excited you know about Bitcoin is just to remember you know for me Bitcoin is a means to an end. Mm. Um, money exists in order to honor um, work done by people, um, but like people like money money exists to honor people and to honor people's work and people exist to honor God in honor like people people are God's money in a sense people like God created people to serve a purpose um, money actual money honors people and, and allows them to to store um, work you know the the buying power of work that they've done um, it's a store representative of the work that they've done that's it's a great thing but it's not an ultimate thing. Uh, agreed. Totally, totally agree. Do, do you think that um, how can Bitcoin, if Bitcoin can be used to help the Christian in their ministry, help a pastor like you in your yep. ministry and help a missionary in their ministry? And I guess with that, what and we probably talked about this a little bit earlier on, but what has fiat done to hamper our ministry or our missionary outreach? Yeah. One of the things and we've, we've seen this firsthand in Uruguay, I'm sure it's, it's, this has affected, has had a lot of effects in the United States as well. And I'm sure at this point, just given the, the inflation that's, you know, happened even just in the last year, you've seen a lot more of this effect, but here in Uruguay, in the last, I'll just speak from that standpoint. In the last seven years, when we first arrived, the value of the uh, the Uruguayan peso to a dollar it was about one one Uruguay or one U.S. dollar to twenty four Uruguayan pesos. Today, it's one U.S. dollar to forty three and a half Uruguayan pesos. So the the Uruguayan peso has lost almost hundred percent of its value over the course of seven years, and so. To, to, Jordan, to let, people, me, let me just interrupt real quick. Yep. So that fact by itself, do you find that ministering to folks who are losing value day by day just don't have the time to come to church exactly. and be exactly. in small groups or exactly. Yep, exactly. And so that's, it makes it a lot more difficult. You have people who have to work more hours in order to provide for their basic needs. Increasingly they're having to work more and more or they're having to go without things, which I mean that like that does happen. And there's, there's, there's a point at which that's, not the, you know, again, not the worst thing. It still is unjust the result of it, but it's not the worst thing for people not to have, you know, every 
monetary, every, every physical comfort in the world. Right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about just basic things. I'm talking about, you know, you know, just the United States has, it has an economy that's full of all kinds of, you know, fast food that has no, no, you know, um, no uh, nutritional value. There's, yeah, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of things that exist where we could go without them just fine. But where you have a situation where people are people are on are increasingly closer, like just going closer and closer to this line of of poverty, a line of not being able to pay for their you know their rent along with their just basic bills. In every year that goes by, they're getting closer and closer, and so they're having to spend more and more time focusing and and thinking about money than they otherwise would. And, and, and I would argue they're having to spend way more time on thinking about those things than, than God would really intend us to. Well, and Okay, that's interesting. Uh, given the biblical principle that, you know, Jesus said, you know, you'll always have the poor. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that we cannot eliminate poverty. I mean, that's that's yep. why the war on poverty in the U.S. has failed, because we cannot eliminate poverty. Yep. Um, but I guess with the with the. Bitcoin in in the picture, we may not be able to eliminate poverty because poverty is multifaceted related to decisions people make, but we could probably, while not eliminate it, alleviate it. Yeah. I mean, the the biggest thing, again, is just you have like Bitcoin provides an objective standard. Like it provides an objective backstop. Of it provides one 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 system of justice of monetary justice. There's one set of rules for everyone. Bitcoin doesn't care who you are. Bitcoin doesn't care how much money you have. You can't convince it to change its underlying principles. And so that's that's both good and bad, right? So the good thing is no one can you, no one can just decide to take a vote and steal you know inflate your money away. No one can create more Bitcoin. At the same time, if you lose your Bitcoin, if you lose your keys, it's gone. You know, there's no one who can you know go and get it back for you. So. Um, so you have this situation where like Bitcoin provides this this just standard, this just backstop, which is is something that the Lord lays out as really really important. The Lord says that you shouldn't treat the rich as better than the poor. This is you know seen everywhere throughout the scriptures. God condemns people who treat who have one standard for the rich or one standard for the spiritual and another standard for the the poor or the you know in spiritual unspiritual whoever it may be. Do you think the church is implicit or complicit with that standard or using unjust standards? Yeah, I, I think, okay, so I, I do, I, I think, I do, okay, so God God has this situation where people are accountable for, God creates the world where people are accountable for their actions, but God also holds leaders to greater, greater account. So you have a situation where the world was plunged into, you know, the United States and the world was plunged into this this fiat world through the decisions of a few central bankers and politicians. Okay, and so they will bear the greater they bear a greater responsibility. Okay, at the same time, the average American has like you know fifteen thousand dollars worth of you know credit card debt, and then they have you know all they have all these cascading amounts of debt, and so basically you have this situation where. We it's easy for us to live um, just like the people around us. It's easy for us to live rather than live lives that are that are set apart and where we think and prioritize differently. It's easy for us to just to live exactly like the people in in people who don't you know who don't share our priorities. That it's easy for us just just to do that. And so I think there's again, and you go into specific things like you have a situation where I, I do think it is it's. It is difficult when you have a situation where it's almost impossible to buy a house without a mortgage. Um, you know that I think that's 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 the fruit of unjust leadership 
end, you know? So I think like there's definitely grace within these things. Um, I do think that with time, an objective standard will help with those things and will bear a lot more, a lot of good fruit, including allowing people to, um, to have their work honored. Because again, what, I'll just go back to the principle of sowing and reaping thing. I mean, that, that's such, it's just a baseline principle of, of humanity. It's just a baseline undergirding principle of the, the physical world in which we live in. And the more, the wider and wider that this, the, the fiat, you know, creature, the bigger that the fiat creature grows, the more that 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 idea is like suppressed and pushed down. We there's really no consequence to having debt. You know, debt is just money we owe. This is what politicians are saying. Like debt is just money we owe ourselves. You know, and so the, basically what they're saying is you can. There, it's, there's no problem with with reaping where you haven't sown. There's no there's no real impact on it. You know, we can control it. And that lie has been that that lie has been repeated since the beginning. <laughs> that's that's that, very yeah. interesting in in that context of sowing and reaping. So it, it almost seems as if Bitcoin would allow us to really, because the rules are the rules, we we definitely will sow what we reap and potentially be the good steward who invests in something that is going to bring forth, you know, 30, 40, 100 fold because it's a great investment. And, you know, now most believers, most people, they're, they're, we're trying to chase the better investment, but uh, Bitcoin allows us to choose the best investment. Yeah. Well, I would, I would just, I, I don't, yeah, I, I would, what I would definitely say is what, what the fiat world does is fiat fiat money allows the government to grow ever bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It keeps its its power keeps expanding. And so what that in order that power doesn't come from nowhere. That power is given away by the average people. Like so basically you have when you have public schools, but the the more widespread public schooling is, the more what that involves is parents giving away their authority, you know, for for their kids to be for them to be the the predominant one of the, the, the overwhelming influence in the lives of their kids, and they're giving that, that power away to the state. You know, the, the state effectively is, is training up their children about what to value and how to think and, and like what history is, all these kind of things. And so just the more that that, that that power that they're getting is coming from the average person. And so there's, there's a, a pastor in Idaho, his name is Douglas Wilson. And one of the things he defines manhood as the, the joyful or the, the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Like that's what it is. That's what it is to be a man. And so I would, I, you could even go further. Like that's what it is to be human. Like we were people, you know, God created people and gave them responsibility as individuals in order to do certain things. And so we have a responsibility to, to take that seriously and to do that. And, and, so, the, and, and so the government's basically taking that away from us. Yeah. Yep. The government, again, so you don't have to take care of the poor. You don't have to take care of the poor. We'll just tax you and then we'll take care of the poor. You know, you don't have to take care of, you know, you, you doctors, you don't have to make this choice of whether to, you know, maybe give your, maybe give, treat this client and give them, you know, a discount because you know that they can't pay. Like you, it takes you, it takes away your agency and we're going to make all these decisions, make all these decisions for you. And it takes away our community. Exactly. And it takes away the community. Yes. Because again, everyone has that much less money because they're being taxed. And so everyone has to spend that much more time thinking about where they're, 
money's going to come from and that much less time discipling their kids, you know, training up their kids, spending, just spending time with their kids, that much less time spending time with their neighbors, you know? And so again, it's just a complete breakdown over time of the yeah. social bonds that, you know, are supposed to be the, the way that what actually society is, is built upon. Totally understand. Um, so Jordan, what, you know, just as a pastor, if, if, if tomorrow you could wave a magic wand and, you know, your entire church had Bitcoin and they were being paid in Bitcoin, how do you think that would transform what you're doing and, and your outreach and your ministries? Yeah, well, one of the, I think, like I said, I think the the scriptures make a lot more, like what, the scriptures make a lot more sense. And I, I had, when I first started, when I started learning about Bitcoin, like one of the things that it made me do is just appreciate the, the, the principles that I'd, I'd seen in scripture for years. Um, and one of the things that I realized, and we, we talked about this beforehand, um, one of the things that I realized was like this fiat money has, has changed the way that I interpret scripture and then the way it's changed how I think about scripture because the scriptures warn about the dangers of debt. They, they like just talk about how you should, you should avoid debt. Um, it, it's a, it's a precarious place to put yourself. And our, what fiat money, one of the effects that it's had on a society is we just become way more comfortable with debt. You know, everyone is in debt. We have our, the entire monetary system is not based on the product. It's not, money is not the product of work that you've done in the past. Money is effectively debt that you're promising of work that you're promising to do in the future. And so it's just completely turned everything upside down. And so when I started to understand Bitcoin, I was like, oh, now if you have hard money, the things that the scripture says make a lot more sense. Mm. Like this, this, this has a lot more correspondence with the world that I, I would live in if we did have hard money, you know, that. So with that, so with that, do you think outreach and ministry would be easier? Do you think it would be easier to share the truth of the gospel if we lived in a Bitcoin standard? Yeah, I do think, I think in a certain, in a certain sense in that, like you have in, in the sense that like right now you have you have a we're in a society like a, a, a post postmodern you know society where it's post truth yep absolutely you know people like a plus or a plus or one plus two doesn't have to equal three like that's that's oppression like that's that's patriarchy is the only reason why you think that and so like you have these things where like basic logic is is denied or like suppressed or, or pushed against and so when, when there is this this sowing and reaping sowing and reaping is just is a it's a logical equation you know it, it's just it's a logical transfer uh, of energy it's a logical transfer of um yeah it, it's just there's it's a consequential equation that god has hardwired into the world and like i said fiat money denies that and basically says we can create our own reality. We can we can we can avoid the consequences of our actions. Um, and so, if if that changed and people started to see, oh wait, if I if I don't go to work, I'm not going to have money. If I don't work, I won't eat. You know, if if, if I don't provide for my neighbor, you know, for my neighbor's needs, they're not going to get paid for. Like if if there was, if we started to see that relationship that actually exists we take a lot more responsibility for each other and, and we would understand and take more seriously both. And we would appreciate where that is, where that is, where those principles are acknowledged and, and submitted to. And we would take a lot more seriously those, those points at which 
at which those things weren't happening because we would see the consequences more the consequences more readily. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing as I study Bitcoin more and um, the effect it's had on, or the the effect that the fiat uh, monetary system has had on our society. It's it's amazing how incipient and insidious. It, it has affected us and there's got to be a direct correlation between where we are as a society now and the, the, the use and the infiltration of fiat. I mean, I think it's undeniable, but it's, if you're, if you don't see Bitcoin, it's hard to see that relationship. Um, yep. Yeah. There is definitely like a Plato's cave. Like there's definitely, I mean, there, it's called the rabbit hole for a reason. Like, it, there, I mean, there, there is this whole, like once you see, like once you move this one thing, all of a sudden it's like a domino effect that touches all these other things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do think that's the, I do think that's the case. <laughs> well, as far as, as far as, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about missions and I, I'm a firm believer that we have an obligation to expand God's kingdom through missions. Do you think Bitcoin or how could Bitcoin be used uh, for that purpose? Yeah. One, one thing, I mean, there's, I've actually thought a lot about this and there's, I mean, there's just a lot of ways. Um, but one of the things that's, uh, I mean, very practical, I'm actually thinking through this a lot right now um, as we transition. I mean, we're at a point where we're, we're not sure of what we're going to do. We're, we've kind of, we're at a point where the church is in a stable enough place um, to where um, we feel comfortable coming back to the States and where we're trying to just figure out what we're going to do next. Um, and so I, I look at, I look at um, other missions organizations, other NGOs in general, and I look at them and, you know, we have this year, inflation is going crazy. Um, And so you, one of the effects of that is if people are having to spend more and more money to provide for their daily basic needs, they're going to be able to spend less money on, on things that, you know, on, on charitable giving on, you know, giving to things like missionaries, there are always going to be people who like, that's one of the most important things to them. And so they're going to give, like, they see that as, you know, non-negotiable. And so like, that's awesome. There's, there's other people who, I mean, the closer you get, you're going to have to make tough choices. And so I think about, I I think about Bitcoin. I see like, it's this situation. It's going to, it can help kind of stem that tide with time, but in the immediate term, it can really help, you know, to, to not, I mean, if, if NGOs are accumulating Bitcoin and, and holding Bitcoin, like it can help them to kind of ward off, you know, the effects of, you know, uh, of fiat money that have been happening. I, I think of it like a, in a real sense, the way that, um, the way that when Joseph went to Egypt, you know, what did he do? He helped Egypt get ready for the times where, you know, mm-hmm. for when the famine came. And so like, I, I look at this and again, who knows what's going to happen? Anything can happen. But like, I, I, I think we like wisdom and, um, just like looking, understanding that actions have consequences, like looking at this, I look at, I look at NGOs accumulating Bitcoin and starting to like take seriously, take account of the world that they live in and and the decisions that have been made for generations, taking that seriously and starting to accumulate Bitcoin is going to, it's going to decide, it's going to help be part of what determines who's here and who's not in terms of NGOs. This could be basically the seven years of plenty for for the famine. Yep, I honestly, I honestly could see that being the case. Again, like uh, putting all your all your hope in Bitcoin, wrong. Don't do it. <laughs> but like, as, as far as like, but as a tool, far, as, as a, a tool, tool yeah. as a tool, yes, as a tool and understanding. In, insofar as sowing leads to reaping, what has been sown for generations is going to reap a hur- is reaping a hurricane. It's going to reap a hurricane. 
And so like taking, taking actions that, that again, aren't just, it's not just, we want to get rich. We, it's not these, all these NGOs trying, trying to, trying to get rich. It's trying not to lose yeah. their, their buying power over time. Absolutely. I, you know, and I'm, I'm actually writing a piece about this right now. I think that, you know, you look at uh, organizations like Charity Water. I, I didn't know oh, until a couple of months ago, but Bitcoin conference. Yeah, they've got. Yeah, they've got 42 Bitcoin right now that they're not going to spend until at least 2025. So I don't yep. know the math on that right now, but that's a lot of freaking money. Yeah. Um, so. But, oh, so one one little tidbit, which I, I was it blew my mind when I found out about it. So I was listening to there's like this video that Scott Harrison the. I don't know if he's a CEO or whatever he's yeah. in charge, yeah. but he made, he made, and he talks, he just share, kind of shares his story and he talks about how the climactic point where, where like he just realized that he, his life was going a direction and he, yep. he was going to a place that he didn't want to go was he was in Uruguay. He was mm. in Punta del Este, which is like this, you know, resort super, I mean, it's where all the rich people go for vacation. And so he was actually there partying when that all went down. And so I, I was listening, I could not believe it because Uruguay is not, Uruguay is not this, you know, super Christian, super Christian nation. It's very um, atheistic. About 50% of people functionally live as atheists and about 40% would actually, um, would actually claim to be atheists or agnostic. Mm. And so for him to say that, it just was amazing. I just, it was cool for me to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at their current holdings, they have, you know, over $2 million of Bitcoin that is, yep. it's, it's going to continue to accumulate. And, you know, I think that, you know, what that that would be such a great tool for Christians and Christian missions and churches to basically accumulate Bitcoin and basically perpetually fund, you know, the churches, the social missions, the homeless, yep. feeding the homeless or or Christian missions. But we've got a plan. You know, we yep. we, we I think with looking back the history of Keynesian economics, we were passive participants in this yep. mess. And now we have this truth that we can actively participate in and um, we should, but we should plan for it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, That's again, I I do think it's just taking responsibility. It's, it's stepping up and just saying like, maybe I can't control anybody else, but me and my house, like we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to prioritize. Yeah. Like I'm going to prioritize, I'm going to prioritize teaching my kids. I'm going to prioritize caring for I mean, like just a lot of these things. I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize the things that God tells me you know, to, to prioritize. So, Do you think that um, we as, I mean, we're both American. You're, you know, you're living yeah. cross-culturally right now, but do you think that we as Christians have placed too much emphasis on patriotism and kind of turned a blind eye to um, God's mission for us in this nation. I mean, I, I feel like if, if, if I've learned anything through Bitcoin is I think my misplaced allegiance is in being patriotic. And, you know, it's hard for me to say because I'm a vet. Um, yep. But, you know, someone's got to stand in the gap and say, this is wrong, you know. Yep. Um, and. Yeah, I do think I do think that I do think there's a large segment of people where that is the case. I think where they're again they 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 love God and they they love their country, but they don't see clearly enough 
to, to, to distinguish what, how to do that in a way that's productive, like where you're, where you're, you're in, like, I mean, you're in, you're in this culture, but you're not of the culture where like you're, you're, you're able to step apart and you're able to, you're able to both acknowledge this is good, but you can also clearly with a, you know, you, you don't have any trouble saying this is wrong. Um, and so I, I, I think, think too, I, but I know. think too, for too long, we've been complacent and complicit in saying that everything the U S has done. I know I was yeah. that everything the U S has done has been good, but it's clearly yeah. has not been good. Yeah. I do think, yeah, that's definitely, I mean, it, it's hard to, it is. It's hard to come to that point where you're willing to, again, take ownership, like to take responsibility just for the stuff, even that's been done in your name. You know, like, again, it, no one, no one's saying like, no one is saying that, you know, it's our fault. <laughs> like that it's like, it's your fault. Like it's my, well, I you know, mean, we, if, you're, yeah. if you're BLM, BLM protest for that, that may be. Sure. Different. Well, exactly. So, so again, so, so this is, it's a really, it's fascinating. You said that because you have one second of people who like, we want to, we want to categorically, you know, baptize and sanctify everything that the United States has done. Like we, we don't want to criticize it at all because if we give an inch and acknowledge that we've done anything wrong, well then we're just, you know, kowtowing to this other side of people who said, you know, everything we've ever done has been, has been done wrong. And so I think both of those are both very immature ways in order to think about much of anything. Um, and so I think, I mean, the, the scriptures are filled with men who did horrible things, but who, like in their worst moment did horrible things and yet in their, in their best moments, like made heroic things that saved people. And so I, I just think, again, we can, we can appreciate and be thankful for the country that we grew up in um, and, and thankful for the things that, you know, that the benefit, the, you know, the benefits that we have reaped as a result. At the same time, we have to acknowledge that a lot of those benefits have been at the expense of people all over the world. Yeah. You know, like the, the dollar being the reserve currency is great for Americans, even up till today. Like I want to, I, I won't, I keep using this illustration because I feel like it's, it's good, but like, I, I, maybe I'll change it a little bit. So basically with the, what I, what I've tended to say is like, it's like a beauty contest. Okay. Where everyone like it, it, you have this beauty contest where everyone's ugly. And so you basically, you don't have to, you don't have to be pretty. You just have to be not as ugly as the, all the other people around you. That's basically what it is. The situation with the U S dollar mm. and all these other fiat currencies. So, you know, you could just change it and say, you know, there's the, the bear, you know, you don't have, you're running with another person. You don't have to be fast. You just have to be faster right. than the person is with that's you. Right. And so basically that's, that's the only reason the United States dollar is still standing is because it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, most it's countries use it. least ugly. Yeah. It's, it's better than most other currencies. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, thinking about that, do you think that, you know, looking at this infrastructure bill going through and yeah. I mean, do you think that, and honestly, I'll be honest with you, I, I really don't know the details. I've just seen, yeah, them, me either. you know, yeah. but do, do you think we need to wait for the U S government to kind of get on the bandwagon um, and speaking as Christians, get on the bandwagon mm-hmm. of the Bitcoin or, should we take the truth of Bitcoin? Because we already know a truth. I mean, yep. we know the ultimate truth. And I've seen a lot of spiritual uh, renewal and revival Revival once people come to understand the absolute truth within Bitcoin. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's really hard as a humanist to acknowledge absolute truth. But then when you come to Bitcoin, you have to acknowledge absolute truth. So it, it, it smacks yeah. in the face of... I've been wrong. So um, people are coming to different spiritual uh, renewals through Bitcoin. 
And so we as Christians have had this truth all along, but we've had this this ugly monkey or, you know, what they call it, a mud monkey or whatever on our back, this monetary system, and we've not been able to operate freely. And yep. now we have Bitcoin as a kind of a truth. So do we wait for the U.S. government to kind of catch on or do we just take this truth of Bitcoin and say, it's time to move forward with or without, you know, our allegiance to the U.S.? Yeah. So I, I would. OK, so I'll say a couple of things. So one would be um, basically I, I don't have I'm not going to wait to do what's loving to my neighbor. And I, I'm not going to, so I'm not going to continue as much as I can help it. I'm not going to continue to use a money that is based on debt and designed to steal from people. <laughs> it gets designed. It's a designed to be a wealth transfer from those who have assets to those who do, you know, from those who don't have assets to those who do. So, so basically but, you, you've, you, you've opt out. Yeah, I, I, like, as much as I'm able, like I, like, again, we, I support missionaries. Like we, you know, we do things, but as much as I'm able, like I, I'm opting out for the world that I, I want to see in a world that will be a more just world where everyone, where everyone is treated equally. And so I, I think, and again, it's back to the point about responsibility. Like every human has that responsibility and no government can tell you not to love your neighbor. Like when, when governments, like when governments try to supersede God's authority and God tells us to love him and to love our neighbor, they cease to have binding authority on me. <laughs> but, so, but, but I can yeah. still love my neighbor with fiat, right? Okay. You can love your neighbor in the immediate. Yes. And so like I, I can, you know, buy food from a neighbor, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm participating in a, in a, in feeding, a you're know, feeding the fiat machine. I'm, feed, I'm feeding exactly. I, I'm, I'm feeding the system that is destroying people who I know and love people who live in, you know, Venezuela, people who live in Argentina, people who, again, like people, all of my neighbors have seen who get paid in Uruguayan pesos have lost 50, have lost hundred percent of their buying power in the last few years. So when I, when I go buy Bitcoin, I buy Bitcoin, I think about them and I think about like, okay, if Bitcoin wins, then down the road, <laughs> like these, everybody wins. Like if a, if a situation where hard money exists wins and everybody wins. And so like, that's again, within reason, because I don't have a guarantee that's going to happen, but again, I could die tomorrow. So I don't put all my hope in that, but this is the more just situation. This is the more just situation that I can see. And so I'm going to take actions, you know, along those lines. Um, so if you had like a list of these are our obligations as Christians who understand Bitcoin, what would they be? It's time to play. Who wants to be a Satoshi millionaire? Which country does Jordan Bush pastor in? A. Paraguay. B. Ecuador. C. Uruguay, D, Ghana. That's a good question. Um, I would say, so Christians who understand Bitcoin still don't fall into the trap of loving money because <laughs> it's still, it's still is, it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of just loving, putting your trust in, you know, spending all your time thinking about, and again, that's, that's a fight for me because I'm like, again, because Bitcoin is hard to understand. It requires an investment of time. So like, don't trust Bitcoin. Like, don't trust Bitcoin. Don't let that be like, don't use things in order to serve Bitcoin. Use Bitcoin to serve things in God. So like when you think about it, think about like, 
I, I buy it and I think about, okay, who is this? Where is this going? Like, wh- who is this? I am supposed to use everything that God has given me, my energy, my time, my resources. I'm supposed to use them to honor him and to love people. Okay, so I'm going to buy this amount of Bitcoin and I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. This goes to this person. I'm setting aside for this person. Okay, I'm setting aside for this purpose in the future. Um, And so, yeah, that's one that is just don't fall captive to the same to the same temptation to love and to trust money. You know, so basically a hundred years ago that happened when central banking was set up in the United States, you know, the, the fed was set up by these guys, politicians and and bankers who wanted to preserve their power at the expense of, of other people. And so Bitcoin allows everyone to be a central banker. And so the temptation is for us to, you know, think and be motivated by the same thing that motivated them. And so basically, and that's the case, then there's really no difference. And so the way that, the way that you have the difference is, you're motivated not just by getting rich and not just by having power. You're motivated by, I want to love and serve people. And so I'm going to wield what I have for those ends. That's the greater good. But it can like be, that, but, yeah. but with Bitcoin, it's, it's a more efficient love. It's a more efficient yes. manner of blessing your neighbor. Exactly. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So yep. number one is don't, don't, don't revere uh, or don't serve Bitcoin. I mean, that's a, that's just a biblical uh, principle. So yep. What else would you um, want a Christian to do with their Bitcoin or their Bitcoin knowledge? One, I, okay. So again, it's like the oxygen mask sinks. You know, like the oxygen mask falls, you're on the airplane. Put on your own oxygen mask before you try to help those around you. So first thing, like, I just start buying Bitcoin. Like just start buying, you know, if, if you're able, like with what you're able. So take stock of, of what you have. Are there things that you, you just are laying around your house you don't need? Sell them. Like if there's things that are just practically, you know, that like you can turn into, like if things are getting harder, which they are, if you're the buying power of your existing U.S. dollars are getting deflated away, okay, <laughs> and then turn those things into harder money, okay. So like you, you come up with, I'm going to start saving this amount of Bitcoin. I'm going to sacrifice in order to save this amount of money. Um, again, that's I say that assuming that you're already you know, setting aside money for, you know, you're, you're setting aside your resources to take care of God's money who are people. So like, in what ways, what, what ways am I giving money today to the people who are actually around me? In what ways am I investing with my time and resources? If it's money, whatever it is, what, in what ways am I investing my resources in the people around me? Assuming that you've got that. Okay. Now plan for the future. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, again, as much as it depends on me. Okay. So I'm going to set aside, I'm going to start saving this amount for, you know, for Bitcoin, you know, that I'm not going to sell for 20 years. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take this amount of Bitcoin and this will be like my short-term savings, maybe, you know, or just coming up with a plan, just like having a plan. Um, you know, if, if you're new to Bitcoin, it might be, I need to find more, I need to understand this better in order to feel comfortable doing this. Okay. Well then yeah, go. Do you think that's a Christian obligation to understand Bitcoin? I, okay. Oh, that's a true man. It sounds so crazy to say that. Uh, I would say, I mean, like I, I do think well, the reason I asked that is because yeah. I firmly believe that Bitcoin is a truth. Uh, fiat is a lie. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can look at fiat and not understand that it's, it's a subterfuge and a lie yep. and anything that's truth, uh, a Christian must understand. And so for me, I think that a Christian must understand Bitcoin. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I think I think it makes sense. I, okay, so here's this is what I'll say. I, so, 
Okay. So not, okay. So in, in the same way that not everybody needs to be a, a theologian or a pastor. Absolutely. Like, and so you like, that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. You need some people who are like the experts. Okay. And then you have people who are going to have like a more basic, but a working knowledge. Yeah. So I think that every, I think everybody should have a working knowledge of Bitcoin. I think that just, I think that make it, but it's both makes sense and it's and a lot, it's going to be helpful. It's just well, helpful. I mean, we're, we're probably in this situation because none of us have an understanding yes. of money. Yes. Because <laughs> so, economics I mean, is, is so far removed from our, it's being, we're, we've, or, again, or again, we, no. that's right. Or we think it is. I mean, it's the wizard, it's the guy behind the curtains and he's exactly. the rings. Exactly. We've never, pulled, we've never pulled the curtain back. So now uh, I will say, I will say, there, no, where do we, again, because I haven't talked at all about where we bear responsibility. We do bear responsibility in the sense that there's lots of like, it's, it can be a little bit complicated. And we, especially as Americans tend to avoid complicated things. We want, we want easy, feel good things. We want comfort food. We want comfort Netflix, you know, things we, we, we want comfort things. And I, so no, yeah. I totally agree. But I, I think that the, the one thing that we have failed in is understanding and demanding truth. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. Yep, and I think, and so I do think that is a reason. So I guess I would, I would agree with you. <laughs> everyone should have a working. Everyone should don't need have a working knowledge of Bitcoin. No, no, I do, but I, I do think so. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I had gotten to the point where, I, but I do think everyone should have like a working knowledge. Now, and so if you are the Bitcoin weirdo in your in your circle, like you need to like, I do think you should explain like the more like the moral foundations of money. Yeah. Like that, what you do with your money, like your money itself has moral implications and what you do or don't do with it does also have moral implications. I think that's totally, that's totally within the, in the bounds of scripture. And then within that, you can talk about, you know, what the, what the scriptures do say and how Bitcoin lines up with that. I, I, I'm like, I'm walking this tension right now. I'm walking with this tension right now because I, I'm sitting here, like there's this book that I, I'm like working on. I want to write about, you know, just about value and I mean, the scriptures talk so much about money. Uh, they talk so much about it. And I feel like in the book that we wrote, it's, I, I love it and it's stand behind it. But like the, the weakest part of, of our book was like the scriptural component. And, and so like for, as, as for me as like a Bible nerd and, you know, missionary pastor, like that drives me nuts. And so like I've sitting there, but I'm like scribbling radically. I mean, if you find like my, my notes app, it looks like the ravings of a madman. So like I'm, I want to I want to get that and, and like put that out there because I do think I mean, there I have been pushed and pointed towards the Lord so much. The more that I understand like why money exists and and I understand why the scriptures talk so much about it. And, and why they, they talk about the, the it's, it's the exclusionary exclusionary nature of like you can't love God and money like that to why does why does God why does he pick money of all things to, yeah. to say yeah. you have to choose between and the more that you understand hard money and the more that you understand those things you understand why it makes more sense yeah, I know it's interesting though because that was kind of a fundamental conclusion I came to as well when I first came across Bitcoin but as I thought about it, if you think about the U.S. dollar and fiat money, you're thinking, no, I really don't want to serve fiat money because it's a complete lie. Um, but and we don't really serve money. I, I concluded that we don't really serve yeah. money in our current system. We serve the things that money can buy because they're the hard things. And yeah. but, but you're right. I mean, um, we, we can serve money or God because certainly in the face of Bitcoin, with the properties it has, uh, which are powerful, we could certainly succumb to serving it for sure. No, no question about that. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, this is another thing is just like, again, you could get the solar flare, <laughs> like the solar flare that fries all electrical equipment. Like that's in the realm, in the realm of possibilities. And if that happens, guess what? Like Jesus is still like Jesus is still the king of the yeah. world. He's still again. Yeah. So like we're, we're going to be. So again, it's, it's not to minimize. It's not to minimize anything. It's not, it's not to, but again, I'm not, I'm just not going to maximize Bitcoin because Bitcoin could get taken from me. I can totally have someone. Un- totally yeah. understand. But I, and I yeah. think that that's our unique position as Christians. Is exactly. Exactly. We yeah. know that what yep. the truth is and, yep. Oh, we just happen to find this other very fundamental truth that, is very congruent with the truth that we already know, but I've seen a lot of Bitcoiners and I was listening to uh, a Bitcoin podcast uh, earlier today where, and I've seen it throughout Bitcoin Twitter and, and different readings that a lot of Bitcoiners who are not Christians, they've never seen the truth before. And yeah. when Bitcoin comes along, it's like yeah. this truth that they've been looking for their entire lives and they elevate yep. it to supreme status. And yep. um, that's a terrible position to be in. Yeah. I, I just think like what, like we live in a society where objective truth is either it's like that, the very idea that objective truth, like it, the very idea of it is just like pushed aside. That's okay? right. We're laughed at as Christians to, yeah. because we're so sure about our beliefs, we're laughed at. Yeah. It's both because we're sure about it, but also because we say this is objective. This is binding on everybody. That's right. And so like what, so the idea that objective truth could be binding, objective truth that binds could be a good thing is just so far removed from anyone's thinking. And so what you have, and this is one of my favorite things about Bitcoin is you have this thing where Bitcoin, like the fact that its rules are so hard and fast or what's crazy. It's it's what, it's what brings freedom. Yeah. Like it's yep. so, and I just think like it's one of my favorite things. It's just like no, no, no. Okay, so what we see with Bitcoin is that like the right, it's freedom is, and I'm not the one who came up with this. Tim Keller, he probably didn't come up with it either. Somebody else came up with him before he did. But it's like freedom is not found in the absence of restrictions. It's found in the presence of the right restrictions. Mm. It's found in the presence of restrictions that correspond to your nature. It's, it's, so, it's yeah. yeah, it's what Romans. It's what Paul says in Romans. You know, the law was a tutor pointing us yes, to the grace. Exactly. Yes. Bitcoin for me is a tutor that points us to a a bigger truth. Yes. I think for so long, fiat was just this messy, cloudy stuff that just didn't point to anything. And it's it's totally affected us. And I think um, I think just to that point too, it's it's awesome. Like because I, I literally was just saying about the other day, like what like the best, like one of the best ways for me to like think about like Bitcoin is is like the, the mosaic law. <laughs> because it's like was the law bad in of itself? No. The law was great. Like the law was like told like what God is like and, and created a world like if everyone obeyed this, this would be a great place to live. Like this you people would take care of each other. They love your neighbor like you love yourself. That'd be awesome. But the result of it was that no one could keep it. And the result of it was that because nobody could keep it, this good thing condemned them. That's right. So it ended up being the, to their downfall. And so I just think about that, like with, with Bitcoin, like it's, it's finality is both blessing, but it can also be a curse. It points to the, to the, to the, um, it points to the fallacy of fiat. I mean, there's really nothing else that would show, would have shown us that before. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy to me. I I think like one, I do think like nutrition and stuff like that. Nutrition is an area where objective truth is found. Yeah. Like there's, there's fruit and like you have nutritional needs and if you don't have them, you will die. 
And so like, there's, there is some objective truth to be found there too. But just, I just think about like, again, if somebody came up to me, like somebody could theoretically, not somebody, but like governments could theoretically go one, you know, systematically and accumulate most of the world's Bitcoin by holding a gun up and saying, you're either going to give me your Bitcoin or you're going to die, or I'm going to kill your family. And okay. So like, let's say that, let's say that I refuse to give in, they kill me. Well, then there's that much less Bitcoin and their Bitcoin is that much, if the government has Bitcoin, their Bitcoin is that much more valuable. So they win. Okay. Or so if I, if I do, you know, if I, if I give in, boom, I give them, well, then now they have me Bitcoin. And so, so I could see a world where the finality of Bitcoin actually turns into something bad. You know, that turns into this place where, you know, people, people suffer. So again, so that's, again, that's this really random thing. A first principle can be corrupted. Absolutely. And that's what a lot of Bitcoiners don't understand is that Bitcoin is truth can be uh, corrupted through its implementation. Um, And I mean, I think the block size wars is an example of that. I think that right after the, announcement in El Salvador, you had a big delegation of coiners go down and try to corrupt what was happening down there. And, you know, this infrastructure, but it's the same thing. And I think that that's going to be a continual threat for the truth of Bitcoin is people are coming, coming along and trying to, to implement a a falsity of it um, for sure. Yep. And so that's that again, that's where I just go back to like Bitcoin doesn't solve like Bitcoin is like reconciles and solves a lot of things. It fixes a lot of things. It really does. But like it like we need the 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 problem, the biggest problems that people have are not exterior problems. They're motivational, like heart issues. Yeah. And so like we need we need some like we need new desires. That's like right. we need, we need to desire not to rip off our neighbor. Like that's, that's our biggest problem. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, um, Bitcoin allows us to, um, you know, I think that we're in a pressure cooker right now of motivation and desires fed by fiat. And I think Bitcoin allows us to kind of dampen that a little bit. It's not the end all, it's not the truth. It's not the, mm-hmm. the ultimate truth that that's the Lord. Um, but I think it can help us in a lot of ways, but we have to use it properly as a tool. And yeah, um, yeah and I, I just published a piece today on citadels and, and whether or not we should live in citadels or a city on a hill. And, you know, there's this whole mentality within the Bitcoin community of withdrawing into citadels. And yeah. I fundamentally believe as Christians, we that's that's absolutely wrong. And we need to confront as as Christian Bitcoiners, we need to confront we need to stand for the truth um, mm-hmm. and not be complacent as we were with the fiat system. Mm-hmm. We, were, we, we just watched the fiat system take over and didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I do think, again, I do think that, what do I think about that? I, I think like one of the things, yeah, it, it is just easy to just, just to live and respond just to constantly like, um, constantly react or just to try to ignore and just try to try to not have to deal with things. Like I, I just want to avoid dealing with things until we absolutely have to, rather than again, like we talked about this, we've talked about this a bunch, like the responsibility thing is like looking at like, I have responsibility. I have these priorities that like God has given me and I'm supposed to be proactively going out and doing them. Proactively going out and taking care of them, and in in you know working to make them reproduce and to do these things, and so where we go, where we go on the offensive rather than just being you know 
trying to have our comfort. We never had the time. And I think that's what Bitcoin allows us to do is redeem that time. Redeem the days. redeem what what's the scripture redeem your redeem the time for the days are evil so yep. i mean bitcoin allows us to redeem time There's yeah no I, I think yeah i think one of the things again and this is this is this has been i've had this i had this thought like a year ago was just like bitcoin will bitcoin will rise and fall on on the willingness of of bitcoiners to continue to be to put themselves and do the hard work of, of, of like discipling people, honestly. Well, Jordan, let's, uh, I, I do want to transition a little bit and just talk about, you know, you did launch the mirror Bitcoin website. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of explain what your thoughts are with that and, and where do you want to go? And I, I also want to just wrap this discussion up with, you know, the, the Christian responsibility for with Bitcoin and a call to action. I mean, is there a call to action here for Christians who understand Bitcoin? Yeah. So with the website, um, it's mirebitcoin.com. It's super primitive at this point because this is this is the, again, the priorities thing is just like trying to figure out like, what do I give time to? And so as I'm a, I'm a father of, I'm a husband and then father of four young kids. And so, and then I'm also, you know, also ministering. And so there's just not a lot of yeah. free time. And so basically what I have is, I, I, it's just designed to be a place where I kind of just dump my, just, it's like my, my relaxation go, you know, process things about Bitcoin, about the scriptures, you know, things that come to mind, scriptures that come to mind as I'm processing different, different things, thinking about Bitcoin, just sound money in general, like philosophy. It's just designed to be that kind of a place right now. I only have like one article up there. Um, and that one, it's just, it relates not even directly to Bitcoin, but just related to the, the ESG energy debate, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it has to do with, you know, Bitcoin mining you know, tangentially. Um, but like I said, I mean, it's just it's just designed to be a place where people can just go and think about, you know, money through the lens of the scriptures. Like I, I just, I mean, literally, almost everything that I see, I, I see everything. I mean, this is the goal. It's like I, I see everything through the lens of the scriptures. <laughs> I see, like that's that's I, I just, as I'm trying to like process and evaluate. Like there's just like verses that just fly to mind, and so that's a great thing. I mean, we should all be like that. Yeah, and so that so like my my thing I'm just trying to do is like okay, how do I steward that well and and get things out in a reasonably enough time? <laughs> because what happens is I get things that are like thirty percent done or fifty percent done or sixty percent done, and they just they never quite make it to the end. So I'm trying to find the balance between, you know, putting out things and you know or like getting things out in a reasonable manner and also producing things that are are more in depth and more procedural, I feel like. <laughs> well, as, as a father of three adult children now, I will tell you first mission is your family. So yep. um, take, yep. take care of your, you know that. Um, yep. I mean that, but it's honestly, I mean, that's, it is, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, that's, it's the thing is, I mean, it's, again, I wouldn't change it for the world, but like, that's the thing is it's just like trying to, trying to, you know, honor the Lord in all of those ways. Um, you know, and those, again, those primary things, it's, that is the, that's more important. I mean, honestly, again, and obviously we do have to live in this world. So like, there is a certain extent. So everything is just kind of a balancing act. You're constantly yeah, trying to figure sure. out how do I, how do I be faithful, you know, with all of these things? So, yeah, so it's kind of, it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm trying to get things up there more quickly. I might just do, again, I'm, I've thought about doing like a podcast related to it as well, just because 
in a sit in a situation like this, I can just talk through everything way quicker than it takes me to like write out things. So that might be what I do. So we'll see. <laughs> and then yeah, so, it's like, so yeah, call to action. I mean, what, what do you think our responsibility is? And, you know, this could change, but like today, as you think about it, um, do we have a responsibility? What is the call to action for Christians? Yeah. I mean, I was just saying your call to action is like you, I mean, if you're a Christian, you have a King, he is the king of the entire universe Amen. and he is, he's called you to, I mean, to obey him, walk with him and then love the people around you, even if it costs you, especially when it costs you. And the reason you do that is because that's what he, you know, that's what Jesus you know did for us. And so, and there's tremendous joy to be found there. And so what, you know, you're called to, you know, look at, look at whatever, whatever God has put in your hands to do, do it with all your might, you know, and like do it in a way that, you know, allows you to, I mean, that points the Lord with how hard you work and all those kind of things. And then also allows you to have something, you know, that, you know, Paul talked about this, allows you to have something to share with the people around you that produces enough, you know, resources, money or food, whatever it is. I mean, and I, w- I went to India a few years ago and these people were tithing in rice. So, you know, so they, they produce enough work to, you know, gain rice and they shared that rice with the people around them. So just you know, work, produce things in order to share with those around you. Bitcoin is, is one thing that, you know, it, it, it's, it's a money system that recognizes that, you know, um, the value is supposed to flow from work denial of self. Um, and it, you know, yeah, that, that is, that is, that exists. It's there. And the sooner we understand that and the sooner that we you know take steps to opt out of this system that is oppressive and the system that is doomed to fail, <laughs> just like every other fiat currency that has ever existed is, is going to fail. Like the sooner we start opting out of that and making decisions that take a responsibility for for the things that we for the things that God has given to us, the better off we're all going to be. And so, the Bitcoin is one of those ways. You know, your your kids and your families and all of these take responsibility. You know, for them and you know treat them in a you know yeah, just take responsibility for them, love them, and take care of them. So, That's yeah. So, so Jordan, as we kind of wrap things up here, what's a good way for people to connect with you? And I guess uh, what what are some needs that you might have? You know, I started this with uh, a minister in uh, the UK. His his uh, interview launched today, or I published it today. But um, I'm going to include uh, a lightning address for you, so if people want to uh, oh, cool. donate uh, to you directly, they can do that. So make sure I get that from you. But you know, uh, what can we pray for you for, and um, how can we connect yeah. with you? Yeah. Um, so first of all, like connecting, um, my email address, you can, um, is, uh, JM Bush at tutanota.com. Um, and then on Twitter, it's just at JM Bush writes. Cause like I said, somebody stole my, <laughs> all the other more easy, easily recognizable Twitter handles. Um, so that's where I can be found there. Um, and then as far as it's just far away that people can be praying for us, I mean, honestly, we're, like I said, we're moving back to the United States. We don't know. There's just a lot of things in the air. <laughs> um, and so I just would, would really appreciate you know, just prayers for, you know, wisdom and just to, to know what the Lord would have, just wisdom to think through the process of like what the Lord would have us to do next, um, just as a family and then ministry and, and everything goes into that. Like I said, I, I have a wife and four kids. And so just, you know, making a big move is is not easy. There's a lot of components that go into it. Um, so yeah, I just would, would definitely appreciate 
you know, prayers along those regards. So along those lines. Why don't don't we close in prayer right now for you? Uh, Lord, uh, gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jordan and his family for their their service to you. Lord, uh, we know we're not saved by works, but we pray that you would bless Jordan for his works for you and your kingdom. Uh, Bless them with wisdom and discernment as they finish out this uh, ministry season. Uh, Bless them with wisdom as they prepare to come back to the states and lord we pray for an abundance of um, your your believers your your family that will uh, support uh, jordan and his family during this transition and uh, uh, we know that you love him and uh, we know that you will provide for him lord thank you for the assurance in jesus name amen, amen. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Okay, my friend. Uh, thanks so much. This is uh, fantastic. No, I really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll be able to do it again. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you would leave a review, that would be fantastic as well. Peace. A little more about our Satoshi Millionaire game. The plan is to have a series of questions spread over a number of shows. At the conclusion of the series of questions, there will be an opportunity to DM the Twitter handle at Mission21M with the answers. The first person to DM with the correct answers will be the recipient of the 1 million Satoshis. The only way to receive them is via a lightning wallet, so make sure you have one that is set up. I hope you have fun playing. Thanks. Thanks.